This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. What is it, Tuesday? Hi, happy Tuesday to those of you actually listening to this. Happy Monday night to those of you watching live. We are live on Test Drive Video's channel. We do this every 25 episodes. We are back with another all-live podcast, which means we take your questions as they happen. It's a lot of reading, but it's pretty awesome. And we're back <laughs> with more madness on the tail end of Monterey. Yeah. And a bunch of stuff of coming out for stuff. us soon. Yeah. Although I did notice that all of our prior thumbnails had the shirt that I wore previously is now relegated to the table. <laughs> and just Todd's hair length is... It just keeps changing. Yes, absolutely. It's it's, uh, it's a whole thing we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, guys, thank you for posting up your questions. We've got a few over on our social media platforms, but please post up your live questions mm-hmm. for us. Love chatting about it. I say we dive right into Monterey. We were not okay. there this year. We, we would love yeah. to go. Lots of stuff dropping, including the Lamborghini Lanzador. Lamesador. <sighs> La- La- did I mispronounce that? Lamesador was. It- yeah, what mm-hmm. was that? It's a thing. Somebody I don't know actually who that had, is for. Somebody had it. Well, uh, hang on. It, that's, it's going. It's going to be fine. It's going to be just fine. Or because the X6 exists, the X6M exists, and the Porsche Cayenne Coupe Turbo exists. Yeah, this is for them. Larger, bigger door. And it's for them. I guess it, it is. It, it's for it's for the segment that has a crazy money, B, wants to drive a sports car but doesn't want to sit low, which there's an equal sign there, just so you know. (laughs) But they don't want to do that, so that's what's happening. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. I love it. Well, we have not discussed the Mustang that was announced. It's kind of old news as quickly as the car news world moves. (laughs) Especially at Monterey. I was just reading a little bit more about it, and if you have not taken the time to inspect all the stats for the GTD Mustang that was released as a 2025 model, I was noticing that the front tire width is 325 millimeters. The rears are 345s. 325s were on the back of the GLS 63, Mm -hmm. and that was... Why? That's supercar wide. Yeah. Those are on the fronts of the Mustang. 345s on the rear. I am astounded. Well, you you broached the subject of who is this for. I feel this way about the Mustang because it, it doesn't actually work as a race car. People that just want to set ring records. But it doesn't actually work as a race car. It See, doesn't work Porsche for that classification. Ford. Yes, it's, it, yes. Yeah. it's not actually a Mustang that most <laughs> people are ever going to drive. This is a collection car. $300,000 Mustang. That nobody will drive. Aren't we? Aren't we uh, isn't the point of the Mustang to be somewhat accessible? Isn't the point of the Mustang to no. be a car you can drive? It's to crash into light poles when you well, leave a, <laughs> there leave is a cars and coffee. There That's is that. The entire to- what? Totally forgot about that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I just... Mm. Okay, we'll take a break from Monterey for the moment. Uh, I do want to come back to Ken Okiyama's birdcage concept, the Code 61, which I find rather intriguing. It also uses the Maserati MC20 wheels. Mm. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So let's come back to that in just a moment. Let's dive into questions. Mark in Ohio, Vampire Bear 13, thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. And let's see here. If a car guy buys a Tonale, is it quirky enough to check off the I owned an Alfa Romeo credential from Richard uh, writing? (laughs) The Tonale just came out on our test Mm -hmm. drive channel. As you could see, it's, is it quirky enough? It's too mainstream, but by virtue Mm. of the styling and the badge itself, I I think it's a pass. I 
think. Well, it, it was it was an Alpha first, not a Dodge first. This is Alpha wanted to make a five-seat CUV, to my understanding, and then Dodge makes their variant off of what Alpha's creating. So it's not it's not the other way around. If it was a Dodge first and then Alpha made a product, okay, I'd feel differently fair about enough. it. So because All of right. that, it's an Alpha first, I'll take it. Even though, yeah, it's five-seat uh, CUV land, which everyone has. It's not very unique, but Alpha needs one, so they're doing it, apparently. I mean, I would say Julia or 4C definitely check that box. 4C Tonale sure. is yeah. on the... Yeah, it's okay, yeah. It's, it's like mm-hmm. if you want to share that my first alpha kind of thing or i'm really a true <laughs> car enthusiast first alpha i don't know i've got my first sony and here's my first alpha here it is but that's Yay. the problem with for mm-hmm. most people that's what alpha wants that will bring people to oh, yeah, the brand sure. because they yeah, need yeah. a five-seat suv the roadster and the sedan just don't work they're too small but a five-seat yeah. suv i can check my credentials yeah. off and get yeah. a family five-seat mm-hmm. suv all at the same time so i guess uh there you go i guess the answer is yes we'll see to my we'll chagrin see. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. <laughs> when I brake, the steering wheel shakes uncontrollably on my forerunner and shakes the entire car. Mm. Did you hear the last podcast? Yes. Yeah, we had a bit of a rant on that. Um, yeah, get that checked. Those rotors are done. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some questions over here on Facebook that we were talking about. Uh, Pat L. is asking again about the Mustang GTD. Should we give Ford points for crazy, for all the crazy? Wouldn't we all rather that they actually build cars versus SUVs, UVs, and pickups? Mm-hmm. I do wish that a bit more caution would have been taken, but you know, sometimes CEOs just decide to rip the bandaid and go for it. And that's what's happened at Ford because no longer are they the company that builds a performance ca- uh, product at every category at every price mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. for all of us enthusiasts. They used to, they were leading the way and then they completely you know, trash that business model and went a different direction, but they're building interesting things. I'm just fascinated that they're all in on the extreme end for the Mustang and all in for, you know, the Mach-E and building the Blue Oval City yeah. in Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, the the, re- the reality is here, and I cannot believe this is the place we're at, but the reality is the cat is out of the bag and all of these car makers understand that if they sell something to the extreme end of buyers, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and they make them limited edition at monterey car week yes but they can also charge whatever they want nobody's sitting around down with a calculator going what is this cost and what's the markup who cares we marked up that carbon fiber who, drive shaft like who, crazy. Ca- who cares that's the thing yeah so they're going to make limited edition they can actually make more profit per unit doing this madness than doing anything yeah. else and we've seen before that ford's struggle is the mustang is to them what the corvette is to chevy Okay, it is yeah. it is a definitive moment in the company. It is a defining name for the company. I mean, frankly, Camaro is not that for Chevy, but Corvette is. Yeah, oh, very. Okay, yeah, very. So definitely. they have yeah. to keep the Mustang name going. They can kill all the other stuff, but Ford and Mustang, Ford F one fifty and Mustang. That's what we know. So they got to keep it going. But the Mustang program always costs them a fortune to redo, and they struggle to make it make its money back. When if they just 
release a new F-150, it'll just print cash. So this is the flip side of that thinking for the Mustang. Let's sell a $300,000 version that let's just say for sake of argument, it cost them 200 grand a car. I'm not good at math, but that's a better upswing. So they'll do this ridiculous thing, yeah, and they yeah. won't sell a really good one. I hate to say this, but where's the really great Mustang that competes with the 86 at $34,000? I'd like that Mustang to exist and be yeah. awesome. I'd like the lightweight driver-focused T, but, the T version of everything. Corvette <laughs> T, Mustang T, Cayman T. But the problem T. is that's not going to exist. And and they're gonna so they're and they're leaning into cars are allowed to be heavier, cars can be more extreme, so you end up with the dark horse and then this madness. And I'm looking for the one I'm honestly I'm looking for the one that competes with the eighty six at thirty five grand. Yeah, and I want the Mustang to shrink in size yes. still. It's too big, it's still too big, too the, much car. The first Mustang, not the second Mustang, not the Mustang two, the first Mustang was not actually a very big car in its time. Now the Mustang two was trying to be a compact, and that was a disaster as we've all seen. But the the first Mustang was not that big. What if the new Mustang were smaller? Now I'm sure there are people mm-hmm. that are going to yell, but here, but I guess this is my thinking: if you're going to kill the V8, which they already have, but if you're really going to kill the V8, then what's it matter if it's big or not? Because so. all the people are going to have pitchforks out about the fact that the V8 is not available. So let's just make it a smaller car. <laughs> okay. I, I love it. Yes. Uh, we've got Caleb F. from Miami listening and watching from Miami. Caleb, thank you so much for jumping on. Really appreciate it. And let's see. We've got uh, driving music from Anthony G. What is some unexpected driving music? I saw your question uh, mm. last time around, Anthony. And Anthony found himself listening to instrumental Disney covers of all things. Turns out there's something rather uplifting while carving through traffic to a whole new world. <laughs> it is a whole new world, isn't That's it? That's hilarious. <laughs> when you get really stressed, you're to stop and go and you're listening to Let It Go. It's just, it's just your feeling. You've got to be really quick on the oh, jump button. Yeah. I admit to I Am a Man of Constant Sorrow, sung by the Soggy Bottom Boys, uh, from okay. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That okay. That's something you can just listen to on an l- endless loop. Never done and that. And you're just right. cruising, and it's just <laughs> endless, and you got a canyon road. Okay. And you're singing along, and <laughs> that's unexpected, okay? Jordan says a whole new world does not work if you're driving the Jeep Wrangler 392. We actually have a piece coming on that. That just showed up, and that is simultaneously the greatest Wrangler ever and the most stupid thing on wheels. It is like both... <laughs> Completely merged. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I can't wait to yes, share that. It it's going to be funny, yeah. Let's see, Andrew P. asks, what's our favorite Bucky's food or snack? The, uh, Andrew plans to stop by one or two when he goes to Tail Dragon in October. I think you should. The beaver nuts, I think, are uh, <laughs> Easy. part of this snack. Easy, yeah. Uh-huh. And also, there's a, a wall of jerky. But best of all is the Arnold Palmer is pre-mixed. So there, there is that. They do have a ridiculous but number of beverages. The sandwiches. The, and the potato the chips are, are, yeah. are like home-cooked kettle chips. They're really good. They offer you no place to sit. That's one of the things I thought was interesting. Unless it's the Thrones. They have a, ton, they have a ton of restrooms. Sorry, Beaver Nuggets. They have a ton of restrooms for you to yes. sit. But they have nowhere to actually... Because you, you, you just bought food. And there's nowhere to sit. They want you to go. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that as well. Anyway. Aaron, thank you for the correction. Much appreciated. Uh, Aaron just uh, participated with his car in our recent film. That's going to be a big one coming out in, what, six weeks or so? Called The Price of Fun that we've mm. talked about. Aaron yep. generously gave us his car, his 911T. And that's why I want to tee the world. I want to tee 
all the sports cars. Okay. Can you okay. imagine Jerry 86 T? It's it's all, it's already light. Let's that one gets out a the pass. Back seats. That one gets a Let's pass. Tear it's out already the light. Like Deal with all the stuff okay. over 3,200 pounds and Mustangs. leave that one alone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all bad. Eric is asking a question along those lines. He says uh, cars like the Monte Carlo, Thunderbird, Cougar. By the way, lots of really great names in the Ford portfolio. They don't exist anymore. What cars fill that two-door personal coupe space? There's not many. The 86 is one, mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. plus two. The two series BMW is one. The CLA Mercedes is one, even though it's actually four doors, but that back seat is kind of like it's a two plus two. This is kind yeah. of the best we're doing. The Miata, of course, is only a two seater, but as far as like affordable two door second car, we're having trouble that are affordable. You can go to the Supra, but that's 50, 60 grand. So where's the line of affordability? I, the 86 and the Miata are almost on their own. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm looking at a question here from Brad R., who's mm-hmm. asking if we believe there's a car that can cure that disease. <laughs> cure the car disease? No. Do you want a car <laughs> that can cure the disease, though? Mm. Do we ever want to be cured of this? Because there will always be new cars coming out. I am actually super encouraged by the brand new Mercedes AMG GT. They are channeling 928s. It looks good. It looks fantastic. I really fantastic. like the look of it, I have to it's say. It's a 2 yeah. plus 2, mm-hmm. gobs of power. I It hit me right in the feels. Just, I am looking at this thing. That is the modern 928, also from Stuttgart. Okay, all right. 2 plus 2 with all the power. It looks great. I think I have to own one. Have you noticed how similar it looks from the front axle back to the side of the 86 and BRZ? Oh, going forward? No, no, no. Going back from the front axle back down the side. Really? Because I was got just a similar side cut. Uh, I, well, from of course, it's competing with the 911. I'm, no, 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 no. Just from the front axle back to like from from just past the front fascia. Okay. Working backwards, that side of that car looks quite a bit oh, like the 86. I was thinking the BRZ. profile is. More, oh no, no, the profile is that definitely is just 911. Yes. I mean, 911, 928. They 911 are absolutely has infected aiming for their neighbors yes. across town. Absolutely true. Yep. I am yep. in love with that thing. I'm reading all the specs. I'm watching Lewis Hamilton drifted on the little promo promotional video mm-hmm. and. He's there's there's a lot of jump cuts and drone music and high energy music and the car is just sort of like doop 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 puttering around. It's not like hardcore slidey sideways because but, there's probably only one of them so far. But here's the other part of it. No one out there is debating if Lewis Hamilton can drive. We know he can drive. We know he can drive very Absolutely. fast. He's one of the best drivers in the world. Totally. Unless you are driving, I hate to say this, slowly in slow motion, sideways, spitting smoke, the audience doesn't think it's fast. And making a car look fast on camera, you've got to be going well over 80 miles an hour. No, no. You just add really high energy music. And create more cuts. And slow it down and you know jump cut. And dr- or the drone just goes right overhead and you can't... What was the car actually doing? <laughs> I can't, I can't really tell. Or you do the Fast and Furious trick and you just speed it all up, which is even worse. <laughs> Jorge is asking, thank you for the, for the uh, super chat. He is asking, uh, which hot shoe car executive should take Jim Farley up on his dare to race him in the new Mustang? And I've, I've wondered about this. So this, this GTD exists, and Jim Farley has said he will race any other exec with him in the new Mustang. And I have two questions. First off, and, and I am not, honestly, I am not throwing shade here. Is Jim Farley a good driver? Do we know? Well, he's raced with Billy Johnson. I guess they, they that's have, true. They have I raced, guess that's true. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he is legit, yeah, yeah, yeah. from okay. my understanding. All right. All right. I mean, Billy's raced side by side with him on the on the same team. And so, so is this? I think he's legit. Are we going to like close the ring and put down best lap time? How is this? Uh, that's this is my bigger question: is what is the structure of the supposed race, 
And then I would love mm. to see somebody challenge him. But the problem is, what other execs out there? You know what the problem is? If he's opening up to car execs, not CEOs, he has a problem with the test driver engineers at Porsche. He does have a problem Some with those, those guys. Some of those guys are yeah. hot shoes. If, well... Their test drivers are not executives. They are only employed as test drivers. So where do we draw the line? That's a good question. Where's the gray area? Because the executives, there's not many who are drivers. But who's the, who's the guy? They hire the hot shoes. I can't think of his name, but who's the guy that's done all the reveals of the GT3 and the GT3 RS that is the Porsche oh, guy? Pruninger. Andreas Pruninger. I'm pretty sure that boy can drive. He can drive. Him and Jim Farley, that'd be a throwdown. Oh, what about like, hey, this guy's name is Walter. <laughs> he was really good at, <laughs> at rally in the Walter 80s. something, something, something. Royal. Yeah, that's very he's, funny. I like that. That's he's good. He's yeah. still like an executive. Yeah. That's very funny. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, like I, I, think, I think the Porsche execs is where he gets in trouble. I think most of the other brands, I don't know how many of the execs are really good drivers, but be interesting. Some of the guys on the Corvette program are pretty good drivers. Yes, they are. Yes, They absolutely. might be able to give yep. him a run for his money. But yep. if he's going to do this, yeah, race him in the new Mustang. Let's let's do a, a race against time. And mm -hmm. you built that new Mustang for the ring. So it has to be on the ring. You would hope so. Yeah. Let's do it on the ring. I, I would love to see this. Porsche is right down the road. So is Mercedes. It's about, I'm going to date this podcast, but it's about as likely as Zuckerberg versus uh, Elon Musk. But it's the same kind of thing. Still, yeah, Hyundai, anyway, yeah. the end guys... Let's get those guys they over have here a skunk in something. Works. Yeah, fair. Okay. Yeah. That would be interesting. Right. Or I love the question. That's really creative. Really interesting. What else you got on here? There's the questions are coming in. That's really great appreciate stuff. it, guys. Really Thank good, you. Yeah. Uh, the twenty four AMG GTSL is the Boxster Cayman of Mercedes from Grady. Okay. All right. I mean it's it's bigger. That's the issue. Do we know a weight on that car yet? I did not see I'm a weight. I'm curious about a weight. I, I think that thing's going to be the better part of 4,000 pounds. That's my concern. It's going to be 3,800 up there. And I mean, that's it's, gonna be... it's SL underpinning, so yeah, it's exactly. already going to be heavy. Exactly right, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm looking at it as a GT car, not... Yeah. The Boxster and Cayman, to me, is definitely more sports car. Absolutely, you can get yeah. more performance driving out of those. Both those cars, that, that GT is... Uh, that, that's, you know, high-speed bomb. I mean... It was built in the land of the of the ring and the autobahn. Yeah. And I mean, but it's that's but a it, GT car. But the truth is, the truth is, most people are going to drive that car more in a GT fashion than in a sports car fashion. For sure, so it's for gonna, sure, it's going to meet its. I audience. don't think Mercedes builds a Boxster Cayman competitor. They don't. They don't. Not really. No. And yeah. and, and the truth is, they haven't in a while. Yeah. See, <laughs> Jordan, sorry, he's just making me laugh. What in the world would a Lotus Elise T have left? It would only have one seat to begin with. It'd just be there driver's seat. Yeah. We don't need the front clam. Who cares? <laughs> Doors. That's, but that's pretty much what the, the topless, well, I can't think of it right now. The, what is it? The 211, the, that one that is just the, yeah. the top. That's pretty much yeah, what that's it, the, an that's Elise T anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Anthony G is also asking, what is the single most boring car you've ever driven? <laughs> I know what you're going for. Everybody knows what you're going for. What am I going for? The Taos. It's the most boring. It's uh, Is it the most boring? I guess so. But that's not why I hate it. Mm. It's because of the build quality and the lack of attention I, Sorry, to I, detail I didn't mean to start a thing. I, sorry, I didn't mean to start a uh, thing. Yeah. But yeah. boring? Mm. I'm going to have to work on that, Anthony. Speaking of the Boxster, we were talking about lightness. What What are your thoughts on the Porsche uh, 718 Boxster EV? I, I'm very curious to see if Porsche offers Boxster and Cayman in multiple power plants, four-cylinder, six-cylinder, and EV. And my big question for all of these potential EVs coming down, down the pipe is, which one's going to be light? 
Light matters. It does. And because electric motors have this constant torque, we have thrown out the need for lightness because we can overcome it with our power. And heavy cars cause so many other issues. I am a man of constant torque. Yes, there there you go. (laughs) You know, I'm looking at hybrids because where is the hybrid version of those cars first before we just go straight EV for a Boxster kit? Sure, sure, yeah. And unless the batteries are piled up and stacked in such a way to give you the weight transfer that those cars mm. are known for. And I believe they will be, but I, I like the hybrid. I like the torque feel better. That's, mm. that's the better step. It's the in-betweener step. Um, let's see. Devin's asking if he, he says he's thrilled that the 718 S's are still depreciating like rocks. That's because the four cylinder has a ton of power, but now that the six cylinder exists, people don't want the turbo four. If you want a deal in the Porsche lineup, it's actually the base ones, not even the S mm-hmm. those are, those have just mm-hmm. dropped like stones and they're tunable. If you want, literally that's the, like the tuner guys, Porsche is the base 718 Boxster or Cayman. You're not worried about how they sound. I hate to say this. It's like, it's, it's the Subaru sound, Subaru tuning mentality in a Porsche body with Porsche dynamics. That's the real get deal there. Here we go. Devin is saying, uh, Akio Toyota, Toyota San, uh, who goes by the, the yeah. handle Marizo yeah, that's in a good. GR Yaris Marizo to challenge Jim Farley in the GTD Stang. And it's going to have to be his old, uh, his old LC 500 race car because the, the Yaris is going to yeah, touch it. Yeah, the Yaris can't touch yeah. it. Or what but if they, be a good driver. He'd be a good driver. What if yeah. they resurrect the LFA Nürburgring edition? Sure. Yeah. Come on. You're right. There was an LFA that he drove. Right? That's a great he d- one. He yeah, did yeah, drive yeah, that car very too. Good. So. Yep. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's see. Hybrid Miata. We'll see. Look, the next Miata is bound to be electrified. We've talked about that before. What is that going to be? What a, a hybrid, and, and hybridization. Mazda, Mazda is going to worry about weight. That is a key yeah. thing to the existence of the Miata. They're going to worry about it. I'm very curious to see what it actually is. Let's see. Richard has asked me what right car, what is the right car to take in the Bourbon Trail? A limousine that is chauffeured. That you don't have to drive. <laughs> you don't have to drive. <laughs> I see it. Yep. Seriously, mm-hmm. rent a car, car service. That's what people do in Napa. They just rent a, an Uber or something, just a car service for the day. I think there's companies that specialize in that kind of thing. So just have something where you don't have to drive, you don't have to worry about it. And when you buy a case of whiskey, you can just put it in the trunk and have it delivered. And there you go. Love it. McNow is asking, which is better for 60-year-old with hip Back and knee troubles, a 2015 Corvette with Z51 or a 2016 Cadillac ATS-V. I'm going to guess, you're going to have to climb in both of them. I'm going to guess that that ATS-V is going to be easier to get in and out of. That's my guess based on that uh, description for sure. Jonathan Gower is asking for a Track Daily Crush, Porsche Boxster S, the BMW Z4 Twin Turbo, or the Mercedes SLK 350 all-manual convertibles. Well, you know my love for the Porsche, so I'm going Mm -hmm. to daily that, and I'm going to probably track the z4 because that's probably what it where it'll do the best except you know what i'm gonna daily the z4 i'm gonna track the porsche and i'm gonna crush the mercedes and i can't I actually I'm agree with you that. i'm gonna agree with you on that yeah, yeah i like the good stuff. z4 yeah. i like the porsche better on track yeah. yeah there you go 
we, we're actually making a new piece coming out Thursday talking about our new, and, and no spoilers to those that happen to know, our new project car. <laughs> new project car, yes, everyone. We have a project car. It's going to be a We got a long-term build. loner. We, yeah, minimal build because it is us. <laughs> There's no, not going to be any like, grease-covered videos. But no, anyway, no, no, no. But uh, we have headers we have on a, this baby. We have, an, <laughs> we have a new no. long-term car that we have uh, till the end of the year, maybe a little beyond. We're going to do some fun stuff with it. And I've been going through our past like long-term series to put some, together some compilation stuff at the beginning of the piece. And I can't believe some of the stuff we've done. I'm very excited about this one. <laughs> can't wait to, to reveal it. That is coming. Actually, that video is coming Thursday to our original channel. We'll talk about it on Friday's podcast, but it's coming very, very soon. It is not an Isuzu Via Cross. It is nor not. Nor is it a Brat. I wish... Mm. I wish for those cars in the future. I don't know how relevant those would be. Nobody's going to watch that. Watch I mean, look, I, th- I want you, them. Just those of you that really <laughs> dig in are going to watch them. But as for far sure, as like yeah. YouTube interest, it's not going to get much, unfortunately. Yeah. Let's see. Nick F on Facebook is asking our experience with the Generation Three CTSV built from 2016 to 2019. I thought that was like 2014, 2015. But nevertheless, that third gen. What is our? Th- what are our thoughts? It, they didn't get much press. It's because it just, even though it had the great engine in it, it's such a big, heavy car, and none of the rest of the interior really held up. It was just an oversized. It wasn't even the four-door Corvette. It was too big and heavy for that kind mm. of thing. It had all the power, but then when you think $95,000 for this, it's astounding on track. The Magna Ride makes it come to life, but then that weight cannot be overcome. And it's not like the M2 where you only feel it on exit and you 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 don't feel it at first. You always feel the weight of that car. So therefore, it's just a burnout machine. It's just a Hellcat that doesn't drive as well as a Hellcat. I hate to say mm, it. Interesting. Hellcats okay. buried that car. They had more power and they handled better. The suspension was equally good or better. And I just, I, you're, a, you're asking me for both, get a Hellcat. I'm a big fan of, of Chevy's uh, CTS and ATS uh, chassis engineers, but I do understand that the Hellcat is, I think, the more interesting choice in most cases. But uh, James Chadwick is saying, other fun driver roads in Colorado other than Highway 550. James, how long do you have? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of them. There is, uh, it's, it's, it's a scenic loop, and somebody's going to correct me, but it comes out of Boulder, goes up through Netherlands and up to Estes. That is excellent. There is the road. Yeah. That's, that's on the eastern that edge 36? of the Rocky. Rock I'm not sure. And then on the western edge uh, of the state, almost to Utah is one we're doing on our Colorado meetup. It goes through Gateway. Look at the road that goes through Gateway, Colorado. That's another one. There's just two. And in between those bookends, there's a ton. How much driving do you want to do? There's, there's, I mean, look at Google Maps and look at follow the squiggles. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of them. Uh, Trogdorf147 asks, if we think automakers will ever reintroduce popular ICE vehicles as EV targets get moved. Trogdor cannot see a situation where Dodge ever says, we're just kidding, and we started making Hellcats again. No. Not necessarily, but I'm just wondering. I was talking with Chance about this the other day, and I'm putting this out there as a topic Tuesday, but I cannot uh, put my finger on what exactly it is. But that is car companies need to go backwards to to move forwards mm, backwards in mm. terms of thinking for style i mm. mean bmw is a candidate here and i i wrote down my ideas here uh it was about going backwards to stay relevant and still create the new like you know the future is ev suvs but what about future sports cars and fun cars so are, are they more divergent than ever before we've talked about the five seat suv sure. 
with the battery on the floor that's yep. four inches thick yep. and it's all the same and they all drive the same. Fine. You've got your thing. But what about here where we can really start to differentiate and keep fun cars alive and keep them going because they're electrified. They're not EVs. Mm. Okay. So that means torque fill, but mm. that means the whole thing is not a battery. Maybe it's just one electric motor. They don't have to be all wheel drive. So I'm just wondering about the divergence of these to stay relevant because car companies will always want to build a fun sports car. It doesn't matter if it loses the money. There will always be people who want to build a sports car, a fun car, our brand. Mm -hmm. For example, what is Jaguar? What, what You've asked specifically this question before. You're confused by Jaguar is the right flavor now. You're that, right. It's mm, hard. That tastes like Jaguar. Mm -hmm. That is totally Jaguar <laughs> to me. I totally get it. That just feels like Jaguar. I don't know what that is. Yeah. What is Jaguar? They keep running back to the E-Type, and the problem is the E-Type is <laughs> completely irrelevant for modern times. So if they're yeah. making more, let's say they're making more sports cars, and they're making them just, they waft. EVs can do that, or some sort of hybridization. But then the SUVs, to me, just seem like uh, it just has a Jaguar badge, and they all drive the same, and I don't care. What is the Jaguar flavor? I'm wondering. Okay. So we need to diverge. BMW is a candidate too, especially stylistically speaking. BMW has some great stuff in their portfolio. What happened to the 3.0 CSL homage and the M8, mm. uh, or no, the, the M1 homage cars? Like sure. The ones that they dropped at Monterey and then they- Build those. Promptly vanished. That's right. Don't, don't do anything else. Don't do- <laughs> Stop, stop, stop. Make those. Make those and everybody will buy them. Fewer teeth, more of that. Aye. Sorry for the Tro rant. Tro Troy to Can Troy we keep this going to Atomic Tuesday? I don't know if, if we can or not. I don't know. Troy 2S says, looking for best daily driver around 50 to 60K. His head says Lexus ES. Hart wants a three series. The Ardeon is a wild card. Ardeon is not interesting enough to drive. It's fine. I actually like it. It's not interesting enough to drive. Really wants a fun daily to be reliable for 10 plus years. I see your ES. It's also not interesting enough. The ES is, is the Lexus Camry. You can't say you. I see that without raising you something. You can't got, say that. What are you raising? You've got to go GS, which is a little more okay. used. That's at least the better Lexus choice. Three series is fine, but watch our Blue Cars episode. You need to drive the Genesis G70, and you need to drive the Alpha Julia. Yeah, now, I know yeah, somebody always, is yeah. saying neither of those are going to last 10 years, but I'm sorry, I don't think the Ardeon or the 3 Series is going to be problem-free for 10 years either. The only potentially problem-free one is the Lexus brand. So that's the thing. And while you're at it, how much have the V versions of Cadillac things come down? You might be able to find one of those as well. <laughs> they're, they're stupid cheap now. You can get well, no. they're getting there. What if those came down to like $20,000, $25,000 along with Hellcats? He's shopping with 50 to 60. Oh, well, then you're good. Oh, but you the, can have two. You know, back to that question earlier about people going back to ICE engines. Dodge isn't going back. The Hellcat motors are going to be to Dodge what the 2JZ was to Toyota. And all of the fans in 10 mm. years are going to be like, make another Hellcat. And they're not going to do it because they're not going to be able to. There, there won't be regulations. That's the reason the 2JZ didn't get resurrected. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Back to Monterey for a little bit. That Birdcage Code 61 by Ken Okiyama. I also just read that he was pulled over for speeding in Japan in a Ferrari Enzo. So, oops. But still, he has brought this birdcage concept. I was talking, I was thinking about all the cars on the on the concept lawn, and you know what was my favorite out there. And this is really intriguing because mm. of resurrecting that birdcage concept. Uh, and I am also kind of a sucker for Maserati right now, so I do like that. Uh, what else? Saw that uh, John Ikeda uh, had that new. Uh, the, the new Acura concept mm -hmm. on uh, the ZDX mm -hmm. on the lawn that looked really good. 
and a ton of other crazy stuff that I'm just thinking, where do you drive these crazy horsepower cars unless to show them on a lawn and they just kind of sit? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd rather see the Valkyrie. I saw Valkyrie sitting in a parking lot. It was the inn at Spanish Bay and just sitting there like, yes, drive that thing, make it dirty. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's. That's what I'm worried about things. about that new monster Mustang. 86 ask this question. This, this feels like almost the rest of the conversation. Civic Type R or M2? Now the problem is that the Civic Type R is MSRP of around 45 to 50, but the way you actually get one post markups is 60 plus. Hmm. The M2, while not attractive, is in the 60s. So they are touching each other. They shouldn't. They sh- There's no reason for these to compete on price, but unfortunately right now in the current market, they do. So I'm going to come down to a couple mm-hmm. things. Do you need usable back seats? Instantly Civic. Okay. 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 Um, do you need to look back and think the car is attractive? M2 struggles there. <laughs> I, I know it's need personal. To look back. I, I know it's personal, but that M2 struggles there. The M2 is too heavy. Watch our M2 Camaro and Super Piece. The M2 is too heavy, but it is brilliant to drive. It drives very, very well. However, my wild card in this scenario is get yourself a manual Supra. You'll probably spend less than both those cars, and I think you'll be happier. That's really good. Although I, I really like both cars and I could see myself owning an M2 despite how good. ugly it is. I, it's, it's not good to drive. It's not good to be in. I mean, it's good not good to walk up to. It's good to be in. It's great to be in. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. seats had me. You had me at seats. It's $14,000 like massive upgrade option. That's They're good seats. Yeah, but, but they're 24 pounds money. lighter and you okay. saving weight it's on a, a 37, 3,800 pound mm-hmm. car already. So that matters. But still... <laughs> I really enjoyed driving that M2. It was just so astounding to think that this is where technology has brought human beings. This is what weight can do now, everyone. <laughs> it was astounding. <laughs> so many good Steve M says manual supers are still being marked way up. That's really tragic. Although we have identified the, uh, the road and track reports about 47% of buyers for the 2023 manual have opted for the manual so that's a good thing but fight with your dealer because my question would be between civic type r manual super and m2 which is the one that post markup is actually cheaper and i wouldn't be surprised if it's the supra yeah i hate to say it and markups are horrific but i really wouldn't be surprised let's see jeremy m asks if we were to own and drive a replica of some unobtainium model what would we choose a replica I mean, I, I wish more replicas of Ferraris were built, but mm. Ferrari mm. doesn't really like their cars being knocked off, even at a high level. They, they don't like their cars being driven <laughs> or shown to other people or, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There are so many regulations about Ferrari. Yeah. One of the reasons yeah. we've driven fewer Ferraris is because we've actually come across owners who wanted to have us drive their car and then realized it might prohibit their ability to buy future Ferraris. And so they took their car back. Or it broke. There's that as well. We've had we've had like that SF90s mm-hmm. that break yes. multiple mm-hmm. that have just broken mm-hmm. and they've just decided to not run, so we can't drive them because mm-hmm. they are broken. There's a whole separate thing. Uh, so I'd go f- replica. Gosh, uh, it, it'd have to be one of the GTs, the four GTs. But mm. I was still really happy with that Superformance. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the Type 65 Daytona yeah. Coupe, the Shelby Daytona, yeah. Daytona Coupe. Those are just special. It. It's one of those cars that you know it's a replica, 
and it doesn't matter doesn't and you don't matter. care. Who it's cares? so yep. pretty. It's yep. just tube frame with metal over the top of it, which was the original too. So who cares that the replica looks exactly mm-hmm. like it? It's one of those things where it just, it took away the, the gulf, the divide between only six of these exist, the real ones and they're 20 million each <laughs> and drive this one. And it was amazing. So I, I'd have to say Daytona coupe. Let's see. Uh, Pokey YJ says uh, there's a continuous push from auto manufacturers to add more and more complexity and technology to vehicles. Seems like a consumer habits would suggest simplification is preferable. You say a la iPhone. I think the iPhone only works here because the iPhone has an ease of use, but there's dense technology there. The problem we've created, and I say we as just car buyers, there's a shift that happens in the 90s. In, and you can see it in pickup trucks, and you can see it in exotic cars. Before the 90s, your pickup truck was low rent. Bench seat, no anything. <laughs> it was just... No longer. Seriously, the doors close yeah. and stuff works, and it's got four-wheel drive running gear, and we're done. Yeah. And your exotic car was your feet are off to the side, and the air conditioning doesn't work, and I can't see out of these windows, and I'll never be able to go through a drive through and I can't back up at all. And in the 90s, both of those started to be, well, hang on, we need to make them usable for more people. And so they both became really nice. Jump forward to now, pickups are luxury cars. And frankly, so are exotic cars. People are worried about, do I have Apple CarPlay? And look, I'm saying I like this too, but do I have Apple CarPlay? Does the mm-hmm. air conditioner work? Yeah. Can I see when I back up in my exotic car that I only drove to cars and coffee? But the problem is, this is where all the weight comes from and the complexity. And now we want, because we have these phones, we want our car to do all the stuff our phone does or to duplicate our phone. And then you have Mercedes who's like, you want screens? I'll give you screens. <laughs> so... I don't true. think yeah. I don't think that there's going to be any going backwards unless it is, and you were already there, unless it is replicas or kit cars that are built for the five people on the planet that want something that drives like a Lotus Elise. Okay. Uh, let's see. Sean E. asks uh, what we think, uh, who makes the best back seat? Uh, it's probably the Accord Hybrid that's in my driveway right now. Mm. It's really huge. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, here's the thing. The Civic has more space than Accords from 20 years ago. And that's the Civic. The Accord better be bigger. The Accord, you're like, yes. we should pick people up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I even know you, but I space. got space. Come on. Jump Use in. Use the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Philip M. says, any plans for me to dump the Ford Expedition and get a new SUV? I would love to. The first thing that is preventing me is sentimentality because it belonged Mm. to my dad and it was packed full of family and I love it when family comes to town and we take it out and fill it full of stuff and it's turned into an excellent production vehicle. Yes. It's surprisingly good. Every time we need it, it Mm -hmm. comes through. Mm -hmm. It just... It's so great. It's big and heavy and lumbering, but it's this stable camera platform, which is great. You put upgraded shocks on it, and it's actually been surprisingly good. Yeah, I did put Bill Steens on it. It fully meets the ain't broke, don't fix parameter. And then it has history for you. It's got history. So I I get it, yeah. It just runs. It's great. I mean, if I had my druthers, the other problem is money, of course. But then if I had my druthers, GLS 63S. (laughs) But you would spend that money somewhere else. You'd be chasing yeah. McLarens. Who are you kidding? Anyway, I would be chasing McLarens. Yeah. Uh, McNow says, after this, what are we doing? I'm going to have some dinner. 
I, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> tonight I'm probably done. Well, there's been a lot of editing so far today. We 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 push pretty hard, but I think after this we're probably uh, easing off for the day. However, you will you will edit this for audio to for tomorrow. You for have sure. to do that. Yeah. Sure. And uh, G Weeper sixty four says, uh, anyone actually seen a new Z car in the wild? Do they really exist? Not only have I not seen a new Z car in the wild, I hardly ever see prior Z cars in the wild. There was a. Uh, there, yeah, there was I, a, I there's a guy with a really nice 370Z that was at Cars and Coffee yesterday. Okay, okay, and that, okay. that looked great. It's cool. track prepped, and we know him, and it's a, good, it's a good car, good guy. But that was the only Z in attendance. Oh, I take it back. Uh, Mike had his uh, convertible Z car that's always there, 300ZX. Those were oh, the nice. that was the nice. Z contingent. Those were the only ones there. And the new car, I don't. I, are they delivering them? I guess they are. There's none around Wasn't here. It paint problems they were undergoing with. I think it's, it's like just problems. Cars haven't been painted yeah, for a good, agreed. I don't know, hundred years. So mm-hmm. they, you know, I understand new paint processes and techniques, but still, it seems like they were working out some paint production issues. On and then the Colin's got and, the other point, and that is markup on those so far yeah. has been horrific. So I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. David M asks for our prediction when piano gloss black interior the plague. <laughs> Known as the piano gloss black interior plague will be eradicated. That is when suppliers stop offering it as an option. Designers mm. can spec it all they want. They can spec mm. away, have at it. And the suppliers will say, nope, we're not going to put that in cars anymore because we've moved on to better materials <laughs> that don't scratch and get thumbprinted so easily. So I'm hoping the suppliers come through. Who works for a supplier? Let's get them to stop making piano gloss black. Shawnee is asking the most fun backseat experience for adults or kids. Rear-facing backseats in the back of a wagon. That's up there. Remember being a kid sitting backwards in the back of the wagon, true, waving at drivers, trying true. to get people to honk at you, all that kind of stuff. That is fun. <laughs> drivers but, would just blind you. Exactly. Ow, ow, <laughs> Lasix. Anyway, uh, but, but the thing is, the backseat is not the place to enjoy the drive. It's just to enjoy the experience. And so I go to things like the uh, the Genesis G90 or the big Lexus or the big S, S mm. class where you end up with the mm. big executive business class backseats because you're not sitting in the back to enjoy the drive. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Devin Bain comes through with a super chat question. Devin, thank you so much. With modern Ferraris so unreliable... What are aspirational manufacturers? <laughs> There's so much coming on that. Anyway, okay, go on. What are some aspirational manufacturers that won't bleed you dry or leave you stranded after you've owned a Porsche or three? Okay, aspirational manufacturers. That's the, that's the hard part that won't there. Bleed you dry. Yeah, that's difficult. It's got to be just under like Maserati or something. You went Maserati. That's I mean, it's got to be well. It's got to be under that because okay. Maserati is a high price point. Yeah, but that's their... kind of what we're thinking about, though. Is yeah, that kind of thing. But I, I hesitate to say that because it's also Italian, and I. It's also Maserati. Yeah, I get it. No experience with their new MC20, yeah. but still, you're really struggling. I mean, that's the thing. If, if you look at if you look at reliability ratings, Porsche is almost always near the top, and most of these aspirational brands are unfortunately near the bottom. Now, the one thing I will give super props to Ferrari for is because a few years ago, this is back to that transition to cars, the exotic cars needing to be mm-hmm. nice. They offered that seven-year, 70,000-mile warranty. 
because mm-hmm, I guarantee mm-hmm. you many accountants at Ferrari did the numbers and realized nobody's driving these things. How often are we going to have a warranty thing? Never. But the flip side is if you're Never. a person who can aspire to a Ferrari and can actually buy one and actually get that warranty, now they've defended you as they should because those cars are awfully expensive. McLaren has had electrical gremlins. They have, but their new Artura is more production-oriented and ready than any of their prior McLarens have ever been. So that's, are, that's a great thing. People are throwing out Lotus and Mira. We shall see. If it works like the the Evora, then I would say yes. Lamborghini is Audi underneath. So I think, here's the thing. If you're buying a Lamborghini product and your reasoning is not to wrap it, put big wheels on it, and make it twice its horsepower from the factory, or, it will probably run. Or jump it with 93 miles the, on the, the odometer. The reality is I don't think most people buying those will do that. I Look, my Lotus has been incredibly reliable. The AMG GT, I think, is probably wickedly expensive to keep running, but I doubt random stuff breaks. Yeah, and Kyle, you added Corvettes. Yes, they are aspirational, yes. but everybody is identifying various cars. The Amira is absolutely mm. aspirational, but Lotus is a brand. The Elettra, we'll just have to see. We don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a, kind of a new era for almost every car manufacturer. So they have their standouts that are those specific cars that are aspirational, like the M2, like a Corvette, like a 911, like any one of the specific cars that we're naming, but as a brand, mm. McLaren's up there for me. Okay. I, I feel All like right. there's winds of change and new things. I've I've become more of a McLaren fan than I've ever have in the past. And they're they're kind of my jam. Okay. Aaron's asking a question. I feel like there there's there's a couple of questions here, but I'll answer it the most direct way. He says he's curious about the approximate ratio of video production time between planning, filming, editing, final length, or whatever steps he's missing. Aaron, there are so many steps. Um, the, uh, the, the planning is fits and starts because we have to try to figure out when the car can land. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. there may be a lot of work and then it goes quiet for a while and then there may be a lot more work and then up until like the day before the shoot, there's a lot of that extra planning there. Uh, filming, uh, rough estimate for one of our big productions, assume six hours of production per car. So if we have five cars... A lot of production happens. Sometimes yeah, that's not yeah. the case, but that's a rough estimate there. Editorial is going to be, uh, you know, probably 80 hours for a big piece, give or take. 80 hours worth that's of, a lot. of editorial. And, and I'm including here. going through the footage, editing it, coloring it, mixing it. Let's just assume 80 Taking hours. Taking time to send the rest of us clips of things that will never be seen. Yeah, it's just like, guys. Look at what you just said on yeah, camera. exactly. Uh, that will never be seen. That happens too, uh, <laughs> we, though we need to make more of those shorts. But they are funny. Um, but but literally, some of our bigger pieces like road trips and stuff, the things that are an hour long, that's way over 80. Things that are short are faster. But then, you know, it also depends on the scale of the project. Our road trip took a ton of planning, ton of shooting, is still in edit. Mm-hmm. But this piece that's coming out Thursday, Day, we shot this weekend. Yes, because it's the new build <laughs> so, car. Yeah, so that happened fast. Light, light build. Light. Mm-hmm. It's not even a build. It's just, <laughs> I can't wait. Changes. We're going to have fun with it's it. Gonna, it's going to be great. It's yep. going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Sir Haji Bob says his Porsche 996 square is making a noise that might be bore scoring. Mm. This is after an engine out to replace all the gaskets and the IMS bearing. Please pour one out for you. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> that sucks. I, that doesn't make it not a great car. I mean, the platform itself is a great car to drive. It's just, yeah, the the engines, Porsche had a problem with those engines, the M96 engines. They just had a big issue with them, and I'm very sorry to hear that. It stinks. Russell is asking what time, what amount of time I run the Elise with the top off versus on. He's got an 05, and the top is probably off 90% of the time. So much easier on entry and exit. 
when I bought it, I made sure that mine had a hard top available, like it was part of what I bought, and I thought I was going to run it with the hard top 75% of the time. The hard, and I'm getting to the rest of your question. The hard top is on maybe 10% of my ownership. I'm amazed at how rarely I run the hard top, and I love having the soft top. Soft top is off when it's cool enough. The problem I have is right. if it's over about 80 degrees in the middle of the day and sunny, I just, I'm baking in the car. And the car is hot enough as it is, so that's why I like having the top on. But in the in the cool of the evening or cool of the morning, I love having it off. It's amazing. It really depends a lot on whether you said it's easier on entry and exit. It's unbelievably easier with the top off. And I've joked about this before. One of my favorite uh, uh, Lotus moments ever for the general public was when I pulled into drive through and the, you know the sill comes way down to here. And the window's only this tall, and they've got to hand me stuff. So I popped the top and rolled it back two clicks. So I had this big opening. That's awesome. For fast food. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Just drop um, in the food. Exactly. Just come here, and I'll fix my roof in a minute. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, let's see. Richard says, what used exotic supercar driving experience is worth all the hassle it brings with owning it? Hmm. You're talking about a driving experience. Experience, so not like a Vegas driving experience. No, he's talking, You're just about, talking about an ownership. Which one is worth the hassle? What's worth the, the okay. struggle of having it as an ownership? I hmm, interesting question. <laughs> Richard can't get past what else he could do with the cost, the money, yeah. like buy better, less expensive cars. That's been our mantra forever, even though we love all the exotics too. But we want to find exotics that can take the beating. That's why mm -hmm. I love Porsches so much. Mm -hmm. The engines from the 996 Carreras did have some issues, but still, it doesn't seem like any car manufacturer escapes that. Every car company has some sort of bugaboo about whatever model year on that particular car just didn't come together and it wasn't great. So if, if it's going to be an exotics, uh, I, I would hesitate Ferrari. I would really hesitate Ferrari. I just, I'm not sold on them. But, but this, is, this is the difficulty, Richard. This is a sliding scale question. Because the truth is, if you want no hassle in owning something, you're not buying any kind of sports car because it's going to be less usable. It's going to consume things more. You're just going to buy yes. yourself some commute device <laughs> that we yes. all talk about as being loathsome, and you're going to go on with your life. So where is your personal sliding scale? I think it has to do with your budget and your, and your income. Where's your personal sliding scale for that's as much as I can tolerate? Okay, because like I love the idea of owning an E-Type, but I'm never going to drive that car often or hard. And I know that the buy-in is way beyond me. And the cost of anything goes wrong is going to be horrifying. But then I think about Matt Farah, who has that Countach that he bought. Yeah. That if you've ever yeah. followed his, his recent podcast at all, he took it in to, you know, while you're in there kind of servicing, and they've pretty much got the entire Countach apart. We talked about it the last time we were on his podcast. They've pulled out the engine and the gearbox has to come with it. It's this weird fishing thing. It's horrifying. Mm, yeah. He's taking the whole thing apart. But the truth is, while it's blindingly expensive, the car is worth so much that he's like, we may as well fix it. So where is your sliding Unreal. scale? Now, that, that's weird because that's a super expensive car and it's going up in value. So there's lots of things there. Jay Leno, I know I'm in the high end, has talked about the same thing with McLarens. The McLaren F1 is now so expensive that guys have started driving them because they're going up in value. Right. You may as well spend the money. But you and I balk at something that's over 60 grand because what if it costs me more than that? I will it say will. A, a, it will. a V12 manual Ferrari is worth the hassle, but bring the cash. Okay, so Mondial. That is the Ferrari that I will recommend. <laughs> okay. Mondial with V8. Somewhat cheap. Somewhat cheap. You're still going to put money into it. Yes, it's... It, it's exotic by virtue of the care and feeding you have to 
put yes. into it that makes it exotic. But the reactions when you say yes to people's question, hey, is that a Ferrari? And you get to say yes. <laughs> You're not driving a Lotus so they're confused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are in a different category. That's it. Mondials. That, I, I'm attracted to them because they are so cheap and you don't have to put the money. Well, you do. It's exotic, <laughs> but it's a cheap exotic. What do we think is the cheapest entry into something with MagnaRide? Uh, vets have had it for a while. The uh, Chevy SS has got it. That's a good one as well. Those are both very good. Uh, Mandy is wanting me to call out the Discord. If you'd like to continue having many, many discussions, our Discord is something that happens for all of our patrons. Go to our website. You can actually get on Patreon, and that gives you access to the Discord. And that is that is a whole life of its own. That's a whole ecosystem that you and I drop in on and go, wow, it's grown since the last time we were here, which is like the <laughs> yeah. day before for me, yeah. but still, it's very cool. Let's see. Ryan Stamp is saying to me that I just stated all manufacturers are resetting. So the question is, is Ford going back to its roots and just producing cars for the masses, excluding the Mustang? Yes, I see Mm, it in their business mm. plan. I see it in Blue Oval City. The more that I read Mm. about Blue Oval City, it's entirely designed to spit out the five-seat SUVs that are all EVs. And that is resetting to their roots in a way because they're just huge mass production. Just that's got to be bread and butter. I mean, they're, I mean, the truck is, the F-150 is not their roots necessarily, mm-hmm. but it kind of is because they made it for so long. I mean, that just comes right out of the factory and they just sell those trucks. That's, yeah, I, I kind of feel like the, all the options that are on the table and continue to be explored. I'm doing a lot of reading about uh, solid state batteries now and really understanding more about what could be and the potential for that, which is amazing. However, we're not there yet. So my question to all of you is what happens between then and now Mm. that space Mm. of all the EVs that are going to be built with uh, lithium ion batteries, what are, what's going to happen to all those cars? Because, okay, they'll still be around, but I don't want the low range and the used battery that that car represents. So Mm. No, I'm not going to buy that. I want the newest, hottest, latest technology. So I think every car manufacturer is going to apply new technology because it's coming at us so quickly. They're going to apply it differently. Mazda is going to apply it completely differently to the Miata. They have yes, to. They're going to they're have to. Obligated yes, to. absolutely. In order That's to keep their that car ethos. anything connected to the roots. Yes. Everybody will apply it differently. And so we're we're entering a different age, but I see a lot of future promise from all this because mm, manufacturers mm. will do different things. I mean, Honda and, and Acura with the ZDX, that's built on GM's Ultium platform. Does that mean it will drive just like the Blazer and the Lyric and whatever comes from Buick and yeah, all have the same chassis, the Silverado exactly EV the and the Hummer? And the this Hummer. is a problem, yeah. So Haji Bob says, any fast blasts in the work? I want to clarify this. Our fast blasts were something we did for our original channel, and that became what we do on Test Drive. We now call them Test Drive. There's one every Sunday. Let's see. The last one was the Alpha Tonale on this channel just yesterday, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this coming week, here's a here's a spoiler. This coming week, we have our wrap-up of this year's awesome pilgrimage trip. If you went on pilgrimage this year, you've been wondering where your video compilation is. That is coming this week, and it's, <laughs> it's really very, very good that's coming soon yeah if you didn't go on the trip and you're wondering hmm could i be in that video in the future yes you can (laughs) it's not the reason to go on the trip (laughs) but you can be in the video yes Uh that's the only reason that's the only reason to pay all the money Mm -hmm. you're on track but that's irrelevant you just want to be in the video (laughs) you can do that too so it's designed to to make it 
So we want you to we want you to be there. Devin Bain is pr- calling out Ferrari three hundred eights. Yes, those are pretty interesting. Though I feel like they're still going up three hundred eights, three twenty eights. Everything's going up. It's unbelievable how much things have grown. But anyway, we have not. I have not seen Carlos the Gran Turismo movie. I just I can't I can't take it seriously. I can't take it seriously. I keep seeing Orlando Bloom, and I and I and I instantly jump to Lord of the Rings, and I'm just like, really, really, this is where we are. I just I mm. I just saw it advertised as Rocky with cars. That's a big no for me. No, that's but that's a desperate attempt to get non-car people to go. Is Stallone in the film? He's not. So, it, but it's why a desperate. The, but it, I can say, hey, Rocky with cars and structurally, racing. I can totally see it. It's Rocky your underdog. You've got your training montage. You've got <laughs> your old craggly guy that says you're never going to do it, even though he's not old, old and craggly. He's David Harbour. But anyway, you, you've got uh, you've got all these people that are saying, "Kid, you'll never make it. This isn't for you." I, I the structurally, it's very similar, and it's a desperate attempt okay. to get people that will go to a boxing movie or think Rocky's amazing to go to a movie about cars, because to the person that's not a car person, it's a movie about racing I don't care about racing I'm not going to go I hate to say it but that's the truth I just think it looks goofy <laughs> I hate Stallone to say it enter the conversation and I know it's going to be bad because it's it's a car movie centered around cars there's no car movie even Lama with Steve McQueen was back in the day it was amazing filmmaking but now by today's standards it's kind of slow things don't move very well they had to go through director number two because steve was out there still shooting races again and nobody had worried about things like you know plot and script true it's thin on those kinds of things it's really still amazing it's cool to see knowing knowing how it was made but when when like the major dramatic moments are one driver looks at the other and goes you got problems. I mean, you got issues. Just the, I'm just saying. Just the two fingers. That that must be the Wrangler wave. I got that when we had the 92 Wrangler. Maybe it is. Yeah. I was like, hey, they acknowledge me. Sweet. Lord of the Nurburgring. Thank you, Aaron. That's very, very good. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Gran Turismo movie. Sorry. It's just. No. It's going to be bad. There are no movies with cars. Fast and Furious is an ode to bad movies about cars. That's like leading the pack. But then well, but, all the rest of them, it's like a graveyard of Bad movies. Ford versus Ferrari is excellent. Okay, that, and you that, know, is, the, and you that know, is the standard. But, Thank but, you. But here, but here's Thank you thing. for the salve. Rush the from Ron Howard. Ron Howard is a very interesting filmmaker. If you look up Ron Howard on IMDb and look at the stuff he's done, I'm I'm struggled to see any modern filmmaker who's worked in more varied genres or settings than Ron Howard. This is the guy that made Far and Away, okay, Western Land Rush movie, Apollo 13, and Rush. Just those three. Okay. Forget backdraft and a bunch of other stuff he's done. But yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. But Rush is a fantastic historical film about real things that went on in racing. But because it's a old car racing movie, by and large, nobody went. So you wind up with Gran Turismo having to be sold as Rocky with cars. Because okay, Rush so we have is very two. good. That, the, it is very good. I forgot about that. So we've got two movies that are, and I just read from 86 on here about Days of Thunder Revived. <laughs> Since Tom has now done Top Gear 2, or <laughs> Top Gear, Top Gun Oh, he comes back. Two, he comes back in Days of Thunder but, but 2. This is, but this Let's is do what, all the catalog. This is what the Brad Pitt movie, F1 movie, is going to be. I Brad hope Pitt, it's Pitt, not Brad an Pitt embarrassment. Plays, he plays the older guy. He plays, if you will, the Maverick, the old Maverick in the F1 movie. That's exactly how it's set up. But that's for F1. Let's have NASCAR and oh. Tom Cruise back doing Days of Thunder 2. He's the crusty mechanic. And I'm bringing it full he circle. Because Stallone did a car movie where he yeah. did exactly what Brad Pitt's doing in the F1 movie. Oh. That was IndyCars. It was Stallone. He's going to come back. By the way, Stallone is not built like a rock climber. I'm <clears throat> looking at you, Cliffhanger. No, no. And he's not built like an F1 driver. 
And he comes back in in what was it called? Driven? Drivel. I mean driven. Drivel. And and he's the he's the big mentor. And then yeah, and that's exactly what Brad Pitt's gonna do in this F one movie. He's gonna play that role. Hopefully it doesn't suck. We'll see. Let's see. Oh, and Jordan says the car chase in the beginning of Six Underground was a blast. Jordan, did you know there's a Maserati Quattroporte in there? It gets totally racked. It's just decimated. When it, but it tumbles, you can see the cage. You can see the cage. In which there, is yeah, really but, cool. But yeah, yeah. Quattroporte, it was awesome. It was You're right. That, excellent. Jordan, that's one of my all-time favorite car chases because Michael Bay, here's the thing. He went to Art Center where you went. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then he went out. He left Art Center and he became like the go-to guy for TV commercials for car makers. And he was on like contract with BMW for a while. When BMW was doing their ultimate driving machine stuff, he was their guy. And so I still think that if you watch any Michael Bay movie, and you may have seen some, you watch any Michael Bay movie, when they are at their height is any time it gets a car chase. Then they're awesome. They're really good. Very strong. Transformers is like a Pepsi commercial with robots from space. Yeah, well. What was the Clive Owen series for BMW? Who did that? Who directed those? Uh, all kinds of people. That was the gag. Frankenheimer and David Fincher and every single one okay. was directed by a different those guy. Those were interesting. Yeah. Those are 20 they were fantastic. years or more older. They're really, now, really good. Those yep. were the higher. Thank you, Devin. Yes, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But that was, uh, it wasn't necessarily about cars. It was BMW heavy, but it, it, there was actually a plot to it. It was actually pretty interesting. Well, it was also the thing that really launched Clive Owen to another category too. Which yeah, is really we need to go revisit that because I just need something to clean out the <laughs> car movie brain here. Oh man. Let's see. Holy moly. We're already at the top of the hour. Do you we are. We've been yeah. We got a few more to do, but it's great stuff. Here. Baby driver is another excellent car movie, even though it's, it's a heist movie. I couldn't get through that movie. Really? I couldn't get the, through the first 20 minutes of baby driver, of baby driver, not the, not the driven one with baby with, driver. Really? I, I'm sorry. I turned that off. Okay. I All right. Could not get I think it. that's I'm sorry, pretty Devin, darn good, but, but okay. Oof. All right. Uh, it's also really funny to me that in the opening scene of that movie, they used three different WRXs to be one WRX because they had to have special WRXs that would do things just like rear wheel drive drift. Ring out no, the they, t- they like built specific out, ones yeah. to do specific stunts, which is very, very cool. There's some great driving in that movie. Okay, so we need best villain car. Villain car. I still come back to Ronan. That movie is a definitive great movie. The, it's not a car movie, but the car chases in that are definitive still to this day and they were real too that's what made it special so it would be the uh the m5 uh and the lead and and, oh yeah um (laughs) jean reno stands up out of the sunroof for the brown mercedes diesel Mm -hmm. Fires a rocket at the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you, you keep coming back to that. That's really so really good. funny. Somebody is throwing shade at Oppenheimer, and I, um, yeah, the it, well, the weirdest thing about Oppenheimer, Anthony, is I will say this: it is really not a movie about dropping a bomb, which you'd think <laughs> that's what the movie's about. Admit I have not it's seen it yet. Really not about that. And it, and if you kind of go in expecting that, then we're yeah. It, it the whole bomb dropping part of it is is like it's like a side plot. Hmm. Which is not what you expect. So, yeah, I totally, I get where you're going. I see your thinking. I think it was excellent, though. Let's see. Aaron Butler saying of the early 1980s poster cars, Testarossa's 959s and Countach, the Testarossa is the only five-figure car today. Is it the cheap 1980s hero or justly priced for not being very good? See, I 
love the Testarossa. Mm. That is one of my faves. You, yeah, I, watch I, I our really inspiration like piece that we did for TV that was me driving the E-Type and you driving the Testarossa and us talking about the influence that the yeah. cars had on us. That piece is on YouTube and actually is, uh, it's one of the ones I'm most proud of. It worked out really, really well. And you yeah. say some great things about the Testarossa. And I, I really think it is like unloved in that group. I think it is much better than people suspect it to be. Yeah, and it's got the Ferrari... Monterey Car Week overlap, so it's like including Testarossas in the absurd pricing now that they're just mm. shooting up in value now, which is crazy. If we have a pool of Porsche, do we have a font of Ferrari mm-hmm. or the Lake of Lexus? <laughs> Possibly, except I, I think that the thing about the pool of Porsche is when people enter, they don't leave. Once people find Porsche and decide all they'd like to do is buy Porsches, I feel like there's no talking them out of a Porsche product. All they want to do is buy Porsche. This guy. And I do feel like guys that buy Ferraris typically see the issues with a Ferrari or other brands. They're like, they, they, even if they keep buying them, they're like aware. But <laughs> the fact that they yeah. break, you're talking about, is that one of the issues? That easy. They break? Easy. There's a whole there's a whole subplot going on here. But anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hybrid electric power system failure. Um. Colin is asking a very interesting question that could be another 20 minutes. I'm not going to go that far, but he says, is more engagement always better for enthusiast cars? At what point does engagement overstep enjoyment and become an annoyance? Colin, the three of us, Paul and I and Chance, have debated this heavily of late because we have the C8, Mm -hmm. which is heavy and fantastic to be in and great to road trip in, and the counterpoint to my Lotus, and we have my Elise. And because of our recent road trips and recent shoots, all three of us have driven my Elise, and Chance has one of the loudest exhaust streetcars I've ever encountered. Yes, it's loud. And he gets out of my Elise and goes, that's just too much for me, which I think is hysterical, by the way, that that happens. Uh, but, but, I, but I get in it, and I'm, I'm very sound sensitive, and I actually think it's amazing. I just deal with it. I put on my headphones. I call it a day. And you appreciate it, but you're always happy to get out. So yes. among the yes. three of us, we are all obsessed with cars. We're all obsessed with cars giving us sensations when we drive, but yet just among us, and we're also all the same size guys. That's the other thing that's interesting. And yet just among us, who fits in what, who prefers what varies a lot. I do think for the average person, there is a very low tolerance, which is why most sports cars and supercars have gotten so staid Mm. and so distant because the average person wants their sports car to be as cosseting as their their luxury car and they shouldn't it shouldn't be that way but they want that because they got used to it and now they're like why this is just this rides rough and it's loud and why does the transmission do that and so this is the problem i told you years ago i was at a car show and i overheard two people talking about the latest ferrari it was on the stand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one of them commented said Look at that interior. It's nowhere near as luxurious as the Mercedes. I'd totally get the Mercedes. My jaw hit the floor. I just couldn't believe that's what I heard. But that's where we were. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, Vampire Bear. Guy Ritchie did the one with uh, Clive Owen and Madonna because they were married at the time. Uh, They aren't married anymore, but they were at the time. And that is one of the funnier ones because Madonna agrees to kind of be abused over the course of that. She ends up being this super diva. And so he drives really aggressively and throws her around the car because it's Guy Ritchie. And she was married to him. And it was early on in their marriage. And she agreed to it. And that one is very very funny if you can find it. 
Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. If we've missed something in here, we Many. really, please keep asking. Yes. We post for questions on Mondays and Thursdays for publication on Tuesdays and Fridays. And the live streams are every 25 episodes mm -hmm. of the podcast. So you've hopefully noticed that by now. And they're appearing here on our Test Drive mm -hmm. channel. And the next, here's the thing, the next live one, of course, not only will that be 850, but that is the crazy one where it's questions, no cars. That one Yikes. gets nuts. Yikes. So we'll brace ourselves for that. But we actually like doing these lives. It's not something we can pull off all the time, but we like doing them. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for the super chats that happened. And it's just great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you for sticking with us all the way through to the end. And a big shout out to our friends at Griot's Garage. They truly yep. make the best products. And it's fun to tell my neighbors about Griot's because they see my car. I can't get anything done. <laughs> People... <laughs> This is that where is we're true. at. Yeah, that's fair. I'm the that's car fair. guy in the neighborhood. I know you're the car guy in your neighborhood. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I'm out there washing and people come by and they're looking at the Corvette or they're looking at something and I get to tell them about Griot's and what a great products. What great well, products here's the makes. thing. I actually was headed to Cars and Coffee yesterday with my son and the Lotus yeah. was filthy from the last time we shot it. And did I, you do it the Cannon Blast? Did I, you do the? I literally did just, there, there's, there's multiple products. I literally did just the one that is just the cleaning product. Sprayed that off, dried it down. 15 minutes. You didn't Car even do the brilliant. gloss over the top of it? Car looked brilliant. Wow. And this this is my style of cleaning. Paul's style right. of cleaning, it's going to look a level I can't even fathom. <laughs> my style is we need to get stuff done. I got to get out of here. And it still looks great, which is awesome. Yeah. Please join the Discord and really appreciate all your patronage. Share the yeah. podcast yeah, and please, please rate and review. Thank you guys for listening. Looking appreciate forward to it, next guys. time. Thanks Cheers, everyone. <laughs>